Well, good evening and welcome to our midweek pastor's Bible study. I sincerely hope that you all are doing well and that uh, God is blessing you even in the midst of everything that's going on. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us uh, for the first time and all of you, whether you're joining us by Facebook or YouTube or on our website, I say welcome to Faith Bible Church. We are so glad that you're here and I'm excited about what God's going to say to all of us. Let's pray. Father, thank you now for an opportunity to look at your word and just see what you're speaking to our hearts during this season. We pray that you would do exactly that. Uh, Lord, speak to our hearts. Uh, Lord, whatever you say, we say yes and amen. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Yesterday afternoon, I watched Governor John Bell Edwards give an update on the coronavirus. He announced that the number of people uh, infected by the virus had increased by over 1,200 people. The amount of people who've succumbed to the virus is also up to over 200 here in Louisiana. The governor repeated what he's been saying before and what our other leaders have told us to do, something that we should all listen to. And that is stay inside unless you have to go out and don't gather in large groups. For those of you who are Faith Bible Church family, uh, as your pastor, I want to ask you to listen to those directives. The only way for us to stop this virus from spreading is to do what's being asked of us. The virus is one that you can pass to someone before you even know that you have it. You can also get it from someone who doesn't even know that they have it. So one of the major factors that combats it uh, is social distancing. And I'm sure you've heard that term all too much so far. So what it means is to stay away from others. The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verses 2 through 4, Paul says, Complete my joy by being of the same mind having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. Notice he says, complete my joy. How, and he says, the way you complete my joy is by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. And then he goes on to say this. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. He says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. I want to read that last verse again. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Do you see that Paul, in this passage of Scripture, ties together joy and a lack of selfishness? In this passage and in life, we tend to see and experience that selfishness and a lack of joy seem to go hand in hand. On the contrary, being full of joy and a lack of selfishness also seem to go hand in hand. You see, self-centered people, even if they are saved, don't have joy. Joy, a good acronym for it, is Jesus, others, and then yourself. 
And what Paul is encouraging us to do is live for Christ, serve others, and then we can walk in joy. Said that a little boy and his sisters were sharing a rocking horse, and it was tight on the rocking horse because they had uh, gotten a little bigger than when their mom first bought it. The little boy told his sister, you know, if one of us would get off of this horse, then there would be more room for me. Isn't that a picture of how oftentimes we live our lives? We know that someone needs to get off the horse, but we'd rather it be anybody but us. You know, I look at what's going on in America right now, and I have to say that the reason why I believe this situation continues to get worse day by day is because as Americans and as people, we can be selfish. Pastor, why would you say such a thing? Well, my mom and my dad are high risk factors for coronavirus, and it would be selfish of me to not practice social distancing, knowing that they are at high risk and could contract this virus from me and I not even know that I had it or gave it to them. It would be selfish of me to continue to gather in large groups and continue to not practice social distancing and just go about my day like nothing's going on, knowing that I could very easily pass this on to them in a way that would severely affect their lives. It's selfish to continue to gather in large groups when we know that other people could get sick and die. It's selfish to not obey what our leaders have asked us to do, knowing that not doing it could mean that we pass this thing on to sick and elderly people and they could pass away. It's selfish to be so hell-bent on having a good time and relaxing that we don't stay at home so that this virus stops spreading. Now, I make no claims of being a prophet, but let me tell you what I see happening in our country. What's happening is in America is that we have no idea what it means to sacrifice. We have no idea what it means to sacrifice for ourselves, much less for the greater good. And the fact that we don't know what it means and can't grasp the concept is coming to light through this crisis. Most of us demand our rights, even if exercising our rights mean the death of other people. As long as we get to have our own pleasure, we could care less about how it affects others. And as a result of our own selfishness, we're going to end up in a situation where we're forced to sacrifice. And here's the deal. Anytime you're forced to sacrifice because of your refusal to sacrifice, you end up sacrificing way more than if you had chosen to sacrifice for yourself. I'm going to say that again because some of you did not get it. Stop, pause, rewind, here we go. Anytime you're forced to sacrifice because of your refusal to sacrifice, you end up sacrificing way more than if you had chosen sacrificing for yourself. Everybody sacrifices. Everybody. Some of us choose to sacrifice and some of us are forced to sacrifice. You look at it and see it in everyday life. 
Some of us choose to sacrifice for later on in life. And because we choose to sacrifice for later on in life, later on in life, we live a better life. Some of us choose not to. And because we choose not to later on, we sacrifice because we didn't sacrifice earlier on in life. I want to challenge you to make the small sacrifice of social distancing. Make the small sacrifice of staying at home. Make the small sacrifice. Live and look out for the interest, not just of yourself, but for somebody else. Now, when you look at the Bible, they dealt with plagues and things like this all the time. But the people of that time knew what sacrifice was. They would separate themselves until it passed. They would sacrifice the normal way of doing things so that they could bring an end to the virus or to the plague. We don't like the sacrifice because we don't like being still. We, we don't like quiet. We, we don't like for things to stop moving. Psalms 46 and 10, God commands us. He says this. He says, be still. Stop right there. I want to focus on that for a minute. God says, I want you to be still. Be still, he says. He says, be still and know that I am God. Said that a mother of eight children from Darlington, Maryland, came home from shopping. And when she got home from shopping, she saw that five of her children were sitting in the middle of the living room. And the first thing that she noticed was that they were very, very quiet. Now, any of you who have had small children before, you know that something is usually wrong when your small children get very, very quiet. Well, five of her children were sitting in the living room floor and they were very, very quiet. And she put the groceries up and then she went to see why they were so quiet. And she walked into the living room only to realize that in the middle of the circle of the five of them were five baby skunks. The mama freaked out. She started panicking. She told them, kids, run. And she started screaming and yelling. And every child took off, each one in a different direction. And when she started screaming, they started screaming. And when the children started screaming, you know what happened next. The skunks started spraying. What's going on here, Pastor? Well, as long as things were quiet, as long as the children were still, then everything was all right. But when the mother came home and she saw that they were playing with skunks, she freaked out. She panicked. And when she panicked, things got unpleasant real, real quick. We live in a society where our mindset is to always run, where our mindset is to always make haste, where our mindset is to always hurry up. And not only do we live in a hurry, but we want everybody else to be in a hurry up for us as well. Somebody said that the only thing that we don't mind wasting is somebody else's time. Even with God, we want him to hurry up and do everything. But when it comes to what God wants from us, we say things like, he's not through with me yet. 
We say things like, I'm still a work in progress. I'm not what I'm supposed to be. But thank God I'm not what I'm used to be. But out of the same mouth will come something like, Lord, I need a right now blessing. I, I bet you sometimes God is saying, and you need a right now blessing, and what I need is some right now obedience. And if you gave me some right now obedience, you wouldn't need all of these right now rescues that you tend to need. There was a time, you know, when we actually had to wait on things. I, I remember when you had to wait longer than three minutes to eat leftovers. Mama had to heat it up on the stove. Now we don't like to wait three minutes to eat the first time it's served, much left, less for leftovers. I was thinking about it the other day, and I remember when you had to wait for people to get to the phone. You had to wait until they were home. If they weren't home and you called and they didn't answer, you just had to wait until they got to the home or they got to the office or wherever they were going or wherever you were calling to. You just had to wait. You didn't have any choice. I, I, I remember when Internet first came out. Anybody remember that? Slow dial up. Anybody remember? First you had to sign in. You millennials don't know nothing about this. First you had to sign in. Come on, 70s babies. And then after you signed in, you have to sit there and listen to that static on the line. And then after you listen to that static on the line, you would hear what sounded like a fax machine. And then after you heard what sounded like a fax machine, you would hear something that went bing, bong, bing, bong. And then if you had a good connection after that, that, you would be on the internet, but you had to wait for a connection. Watch what God says in Psalms 46 and 10. He says, be still. In other words, some things are not going to come to you in a hurry. Some things are not going to happen right now. For some stuff that I want to do in your life, you're going to have to be still. What does be still mean, pastor? It means be quiet. It means don't move. It means don't fuss, don't fidget. It means be still. It means don't try to get to the next thing. It means don't try to fix it. It means don't try to rectify it. It means don't try to solve it. Don't try to figure it out. God says, what I want you to learn to do sometimes in your life is be still. Just be still. See, here's the deal. It's hard for God to fix things in our lives if we're constantly moving about. God says, if you don't be still, I can't speak to your heart. Why? Because I'm getting drowned out by all the noise in your life. You know what this is? This is an opportunity for us to be still. It's an opportunity for us to get still and hear from the Lord. It's an opportunity for us to kill all of the noise and allow the master of the universe to speak to our hearts. I remember one time I got, when I was a little boy, I got a splinter in my finger. I went to my mom and the first thing she did was she grabbed a needle. And when I saw the needle, when I saw her grab the needle, I panicked. I never did like needles. And she told me, she said, give me your hand. And I said, but I don't want to. It's going to hurt. And then she said, Alfred Nathaniel Young III. I said, give me your hand. Now, when she called my whole name, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, I knew that this is not a drill. 
When my mama called your whole entire name, what it meant was it just got real and she wasn't playing. She said, Alfred Nathaniel Young III, give me your hand. Very reluctantly, I gave her my hand. And she took that needle, and as soon as she touched the splinter with it, I jacked it away. And I started squeamishing and squirming, and she took my hand and looked me in the eye, and she said, be still. Sit still while I get this splinter out of your hand. You see, what my mom was trying to get me to understand is that if I don't be still, she can't fix what's bothering me. If I don't be still, she can't fix what was hurting me. And what she was trying to do is not hurt me. She was trying to help me. And if I didn't keep still, she couldn't help me as bad as she might have wanted to. Why? Because she couldn't get what was hurting me out. I'm talking to some people right now, and God wants to get what's hurting you out. The problem is you won't be still. When life gets difficult, Truth be told, the last thing we want to do is be still. When things aren't going the way we want them to go, the last thing we want to do is be still. When life hurts us, the last thing we want to do is be still. We refuse to sit still, and sometimes God calls us to just be still. For some of us, as soon as we crank up the car, we walk out of a house, we wake up to noise. Some of us, our alarm clock is the radio. Uh, one morning I got up with one of my sons. It's about 6.30 in the morning. And I woke up to some noise. And I, I walked out of my room and it was my son. And he was on the other side of the house. Six something in the morning. And he had the rap music going. And I said, it's too much. You got to turn it off. It's too early in the morning for all of that noise. Son, you got to let me wake up some. Cut it on in the afternoon. Do something with it. Right now, I need things quiet while I collect my thoughts. For some of us, we, we, we like my son. We wake up to noise. Alarm clock set to noise. The radio is what wakes us up. The TV is what wakes us up. But we turn the radio off and we cut the TV on to more noise. We deal with the kids to more noise. Then we walk out of our house, get in our cars, and the first thing we do is turn the radio on so that we can get some more noise. And all day, every day is just noise, 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 noise. I know some people who can't go to sleep without some noise. They got to have the TV on in order for them to sleep. Why? Because our minds have been conditioned to something always going on. And God says, I want to speak to your heart. I want to speak into your life. I want to speak to your situation. But I keep getting drowned out by the noise. And if I'm going to help you, you got to be still. God wants us to be still. Tell you what, the reason why we're afraid of being still is because we think being still is going to hurt us. We think by being still, we're going to lose something. We think we're going to miss out on something. But God says you got to be still. 
I got, I got to get you to a place where you be still. I got to get you to a place where you don't move. Why? Because I can't help you if you're moving all the time. I, I can't help you if you're always on the go. I can't help you if you're always busy. And if I'm going to fix what you're dealing with, if I'm going to heal that hurt, if I'm going to minister to your heart, if I'm going to tell you where your provision is, if I'm going to reassure you that you're going to be all right, then you got to be still. Why do we have such a problem being still, Pastor? Here's why. Because we've forgotten the second part of that verse. What does the second part say? Here's what he says. He says, be still. And then he says this. This is the part we forgot. And know that I am God. See, you, you'll have a problem being still. You'll always make haste. You'll always be in a hurry. You'll always run to it. You'll always be anxious as long as you don't know that he is God. What does it mean, Pastor, to know that he is God? What's God saying when he says, be still and know that I am God? What he's saying is, trust me. He's saying, trust me. Trust that I'm God and I can take care of this. i never forget, I was a teenager. Our youth group went on a camping trip up somewhere in Mississippi. I don't remember where it was. All I remember was we were in the woods. That's all I know. We were so far back in the woods, my grandfather said you had to pump daylight back there. It was that far back in the woods. Well, we're out there and there's this lake and everybody's in the lake and everybody's in canoes and it's cold. All right. And we're in canoes. They were in canoes. I wasn't getting in a canoe when it was cold. And the reason why is because I got good sense and I know that at some point, if you're in a canoe, the canoe is going to tip over. So I stayed on the shore. But I'm watching them all, and they're in canoes, and they're out there. And sure enough, at some point, this young lady who was with us, her canoe tipped over. And she could not swim. And what she did was she grabbed the side of another canoe. And she was panicking. And because she was panicking, everybody around her started panicking. And so now you have a bunch of people in the middle of a cold lake and they are all in a sheer panic. The director of the camp is standing on the shore. He's right beside me and he's trying to bark orders and tell her what to do and tell her to stop panicking and tell her to calm down. And finally, he gets frustrated and he says, we got to get her out of that water. And I looked at him and I don't know why, but I said, I can go get her. And he said, you sure? I said, yes, I'm sure. So he said, put this life jacket on. I put the life jacket on and I jumped in the water and boy, you talk about cold. It was cold. And I swam out there. I don't know how far it was. It seemed like forever. I swam out there and I walked up and I swam up behind her and everybody's panicking and screaming. I swam up behind her and God said, stay calm. The whole way out there while I was swimming, God said, stay calm. Just stay calm. I swam up to her, and while everybody else was screaming and panicking and going crazy, and it was a chaotic situation, I swam up behind her, and I said, come on, let go of the side of the canoe. See, she wouldn't let go for anybody else. She wouldn't swim to the shore even though she had on a life jacket. She, she would not do it. Everybody else was screaming at her, swim to the shore. But I swam up in a calm voice, and I said, come on, I got you. 
And when I said, come on, I got you, she calmed down. And I took her by the life jacket, and we swam to the shore. Watch this. Her rescue came when she trusted me and focused on my voice. That's what this verse is all about. This verse is all about God asking us, do you trust me? Do, do you trust my voice? If you trust me, you can be still and know that I'm God. What does it mean, Pastor, to know that he's God? To know means to be without doubt. If, when I know something, I don't have to pretend. To know something means I'm not guessing. To know something means I'm not wishing. And what does he tell us to know? He says, I want you to know that I am God. I don't want you guessing about it. You don't have to pretend about it. You don't have to wonder about it. You can know that I am God. What does that mean, Pastor? How is that supposed to reassure me? What was God saying? What he was saying is, if I know that he's God, I know that he's unchanged. If I know that he's God, I know that he can be trusted. If I know that he's God, I know that he is who he says that he is and that he can do what he says that he can do. It means that he is God. He is the highest. He has no rival. He has no equal. He has no weakness. There's nothing lacking in him. He's the uncaused cause, the alpha and the omega and there is nothing too hard for him his promises are sure his truth is everlasting he's that one he is God he says be still be still and the way that you know that you can be still is because you know that I'm God and while I'm ministering to you I'm working out what you're worried about. While I'm speaking to you, while I'm giving you peace, while I'm healing your heart, while I'm settling your mind, I'm working out whatever it is that you're concerned about. He says, be still. Faith Bible Church, listen to me. This is not a time for us to be scurrying about this is not a time for us to be running around. This is not a time for us to be acting leisurely as if we just have the next few months off. This is not a time for us to be here and there and everywhere. This is a time where God is saying, be still. Be still and know that I'm God. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the fact, Lord, that because you are God, we can be still. We can sit. Lord, we can meditate. We can kill the noise in our lives. Focus on your voice. Help us to trust that, Father. Lord, continue to give our leaders wisdom. Lord, and give us the hearts, the minds. Lord, the sacrificial willingness to follow what they're telling us to do. We pray for healing in our land. We pray, Father, that you would touch everyone who's been affected by this deadly virus. We pray, Father, that you would keep it away from those of us who haven't. And at the end of the day, we trust you in all of it. We know that you're God. You're the great for healer. You're the great healer. 
You're the great physician. Father, you're Alpha and Omega. And for that, we praise you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.